0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorge's.org. Very warm welcome to you to Calvary Church, part of the Parish of Calvary St. George's. And uh, today's gospel reading, we are given a profound epiphany, the profound revelation of who Jesus is. This is my son the beloved in whom I am well pleased. Harkening back to the prophet Isaiah, especially in chapter 42, the servant song, this is my servant in whom I will uh, do uh, whom I will work. All four gospels tell us that Jesus was baptized by John. And uh, Matthew's gospel, our uh, reading today, we are told a very important, very important piece of information. Uh, that John initially objects to the baptism of Jesus. He sees Jesus coming down, and Jesus gets in the water, and John says, Whoa, 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 I I should be baptized by you. In our reading today, we see Jesus, how does he respond? He says, Let it be so now, for that it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness, I want to share with you today three points about this epiphany. And two of my points are going to come from uh, St. Peter's sermon in our reading from the book of Acts. Um, uh, The first is, is how does Jesus fulfill all righteousness? Uh, Second, uh, what does uh, that fulfilling of all righteousness actually mean for you? Especially here we are still in the beginning of a new year. And then the third thing I'm going to talk about is um, how is that righteousness actually applied to you? How's that righteousness applied to you? Which actually enables you as you go throughout your life to enjoy your forgiveness. (laughs) It becomes a real reality in your life. The context of our Acts reading um, is in the middle of chapter 10. It's towards the end of chapter 10, but chapter 10 is this very, very powerful scene uh, where God uh, or the, an angel visits a Roman centurion named Cornelius uh, in the city of Caesarea and asks him to send for St. Peter, who is in Joppa. And uh, this centurion Cornelius is a God-fearer, which means that he was a Gentile who was like, um, the God of Israel is amazing, um, uh, but he's still not a Jew. He's part of the Goy, the nations. And so this angel appears to him and says, uh, uh, Send for St. Peter, who is in Joppa, and he simultaneously is having this vision. There's this sheet with all of these animals in it, which had been forbidden by the Mosaic law for Jews to touch, let alone eat. And St. Peter hears the voice of God say, kill and eat, to which Peter objects, like John baptizing, John, uh, G- John baptizing Jesus. Peter objects and says, No way. And God responds, go ahead, Peter, it's all on the whole 30, and it's paleo-friendly. But anyway, (laughs) that was supposed to be really funny, but anyway, um, you know, but uh, a few of you get it, thank you for laughing. But anyway, um, uh, no, God says to Peter, what I have cleansed, no longer consider unclean. Now, The point of this vision isn't so much paving the way for Christians to eat bacon, as you'll often hear it taught. This isn't what it's about. What what God is doing in this vision is preparing St. Peter to witness to the fact that Gentiles, that which was unclean, has been declared clean. Remember that from last week? Gentiles, not part of God's people. Gentiles. Gentiles. Enemies of God are now, even before salvation has come to all of Israel, are part of God's people. And so St. Peter arrives at the centurion's house. This is a very amazing scene you can see, and they're both perplexed. Cornelius is like, oh, my God, this actually happened. And he drops to his face and almost starts to worship Peter. And Peter's like, get up, get up, get up. I don't normally hang out with you people, but don't worship me. And, uh, and, and then uh, Cornelius is like, this is what's happened. And it clicks. It clicks. Peter begins to understand what God is doing. That God, whether the Gentiles know it or not, has made peace between him and his enemies. And Peter, this clicks, which means he understands now what it means that Jesus has fulfilled all Righteousness. And what we have in our book of Acts is a powerful sermon that Peter preaches to the house of Cornelius. Essentially, in our reading today, what Peter is saying is that Jesus, Jesus is God's sermon of peace to all. Because the epiphany is that Jesus, this crucified carpenter of Nazareth, is Lord of all. He's not just Lord of the Jews, and he's not just Lord of the Gentiles. And he most certainly isn't some sort of itinerant preacher or local prophet or moral role model. The Bible does not give you ever that option. The Bible says, and what Peter preaches here, is that Jesus is Lord of all. And he has fulfilled all righteousness, as Peter states... Beginning in Galilee, this takes us back to Mark's gospel, actually, which a lot of scholars believe is the gospel according to Peter. Takes us back to Galilee, our reading today, where the Spirit descends upon Jesus. God anoints Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. This is very specific what's happening here. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man, fully human, ordinary like you and me and so therefore like any human he had to be anointed with the holy spirit and power and as a result he did good deeds and he healed those who were oppressed by the devil for god was with him peter teaches us the idea going on here is not that jesus is not god or that jesus is somehow lesser than the father But rather, the idea going on here is that the Lord of all humbled himself and became a servant and lived life in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is my first point. How does Jesus fulfill all righteousness? As he tells John. Well, Peter teaches the household of Cornelius, and today he is teaching all of us As a full-fledged human, Jesus relied upon God fully. And because of that, Jesus therefore, I mean, Jesus is what it is to be human. And because of that, Jesus walked with God. He walked with his Father perfectly. When Jesus acted, you can guarantee that the Father acted. There was such perfect intimacy between the two of them that there is synergy. And because God was with him, Jesus did what was good, perfectly. He fulfilled all righteousness. And this all culminates, as Peter teaches us, and this is interesting, he says, which we witnessed, the apostles and him witnessed, demonstrating historicity here. This all culminates, Peter says, in that they put Jesus to death by hanging him on a tree. A reference back to Old Testament prophetic fulfillment. Jesus' death fulfills all righteousness, especially and specifically the righteousness demanded by God's law. And this is good news because it accomplishes this. Now follow me. As fully human, on the cross, God... I mean, this is powerful when you think about it. God intertwines himself in flesh with our human sinfulness. He who knew no sin became sin. He intertwines himself with our sinfulness and rebellion and defeats it once and for all. And the defeat is demonstrated By Christ's vindication in his resurrection from the dead. And not resurrected as some sort of orb, not resurrected as some sort of ghost or phantom, but as once again ordinary flesh and blood. I love Peter says, We ate and drank with him. Do you understand uh, the ramifications of that? Like he has guts. He's resurrected with a stomach and organs. And what Peter is saying in this small statement is that the resurrection sets the stage for the new heavens and the new earth. The resurrection sets the stage, not for a better you, but for a redeemed and a new you. I mean, that, that's an epiphany. And that epiphany is so much more awesome than me up here giving you life steps on how to improve your New Year's resolutions, you know? And this is what Peter said. He and the apostles were not suggested to preach. This isn't what they were um, told to preach once a year at an evangelism Sunday crusade. No, Peter says this is what we were commanded to preach. All the time. Jake, you're such a one-trick pony. This is what I am commanded to preach. All the time. Because since Jesus has resurrected from the dead and has ascended and now sits at the right hand of the Father, what this means is that he, whether you like it or not, he is the judge of the living and the dead. And the prophets from the Old Testament testify to this fulfillment. Those who believe in him receive forgiveness for their sins. And this is my second point. St. Peter begins and ends this amazing Epiphany sermon with Jesus as Lord and then concludes it with Jesus as judge. That on its own is intimidating. That on its own should terrify you. And unfortunately, with that sandwich, that's oftentimes all people get. Or they don't get it at all. They just get life tips. But when taken from abstraction and brought down into accomplishment, what this Lord, what this judge does... What he does by his death and resurrection is gives us pardon. He delivers forgiveness. And he does it for all of your sins. Therefore, you can trust Jesus. You can trust Jesus with your entire life. You can trust him with the good You can trust him with the bad. And you can trust him with the ugly. And like St. Peter, your witness isn't up to you at all. You just talk about what you've been commanded to share. That Jesus has died and risen and in him. Enjoy your forgiveness. Well, can I do it again? You might. Enjoy your forgiveness can I do it again? What if I do it again, Jake? Let me tell you, when this really begins to hit your heart, you might, but you most definitely won't, because your life is now intertwined with Jesus, and his righteousness is yours. And you see, this gift of righteousness that Jesus applies to you through the gift, comes to you through the gift of your baptism, And we're all going to witness and reaffirm in just a moment our baptisms, where that righteousness is applied to you. Daphne, you're going to make some promises in a moment, but ultimately it's not about your promises, nor has it ever been about your promises. Baptism is about Jesus' promise to you. The promise of righteousness now applied to you because you've been buried in a death like his and most certainly you'll be raised in a resurrection like his. And you see what's going on here in our gospel reading. In Jesus' baptism, we get a picture of our own baptism, but in the reverse. In baptism, all righteousness is fulfilled in you, not because of what you do, but because of what Jesus has done for you. And in a moment, you are going to be reborn a sinless saint in him. You're going to be clothed with him. You're going to be covered with his righteousness. And your sins after this moment in thought, word, and deed, which all will deserve God's condemnation, are washed away. And you're going to be declared not just not guilty, but completely and totally innocent. And the same goes for all of you. In baptism, heaven is opened up to us as it was opened up to Jesus. We can't see it. We can't see it, and I've heard it said, so therefore we're oftentimes inclined to think that it doesn't happen or it's not real or that baptism is just this real sweet ceremony to kind of appease our parents or to show my commitment to Jesus. No. When received by faith, the waters of baptism open heaven up to us and the application of God's fulfilled righteousness is applied to you. St. Peter will go on to write in his epistle to the churches, Baptism now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. What that means is that when you go through this life feeling like a smoldering wick or a bruised reed, you don't go inward and look to yourself. You look out and say, I was baptized. God gave me a promise there. And we cling to that. Because something happens in baptism." What happens there? His righteousness is applied. How is it illustrated? Well, in baptism, see, in baptism, Jesus stands in solidarity with you. In the same way, he stood in the waters of Jordan in solidarity with all those other sinners who came to John to be baptized. And this is my third point. How is Jesus's righteousness applied to you? The water and the word. That's what makes baptism. And Jesus in water, there with you, he becomes your brother. And he brings you to his father, who is now your father. And there in those waters, he has made his death yours, his life yours, his holiness yours. You are baptized into Christ, and you are a child of paradise. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they all declare it to be so. Don't take my words for it. It is most certainly true. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, can make an online donation at calvaryst.george's.org/slash giving. Thank you.